everybody, and welcome to Chits and Chat. I am Kaz Gable. I'm Alex Cruzy. And today we are off to the Mystical Forest, I guess. I guess, sure. yeah, because the Forest Guardians, I believe, are the Kokoro. And uh, to play the game, the Kokoro, or Kokoro, not the Kokoro, Kokoro Avenue of the Kodama. Uh, two words that I'm not sure what they mean, but I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure the Kokoro... <laughs> Uh, are like forest, forest creatures or forest spirits. I have no idea what the Kodama is. Um, and I'm not sure if uh, the description tells me. I'm sure it does. I just haven't looked at it. But anyway, this is a 1-8 to eight player game. It's a short and a light one. It takes, uh, they say, about 50 minutes play time. I'd say that's about right. It probably changes as you add or remove players. But it is a... Uh, what'd you call it? It's not a roll and write. Uh, it is it's what a, they would call a flip and write. Yeah, the, just, like, the distant cousin of the roll and write. Right, um, where you're flipping cards to give you an option for your turn, and then you use that uh, in the game to kind of create a strategy throughout the game. You're basically making a long path. The, the whole uh, theme of the game is that you're trying to. Um, redo this ancient path between temples in a forest. And of course, as with most path buildings, <laughs> path building, there are points to be had. So there's better or worse ways to make your path. And uh, there's a few things that you have to consider as you're making the path that uh, aren't clear at the beginning that become clear throughout the game. So it's an interesting little structure. And uh, yeah, let's just do the rules real quick and then we can talk in. Uh, Before more we do the rules. Our- feelings did you do the deets of the game do we know who designed it and all that stuff did you already i did not no all right good catch all right designed by ilif svensson and christian amundsen ostby uh this is a very very japanese game so it's just kind of funny that it's designed by like two norwegians (laughs) uh at least that makes me laugh um i think the the original game was just avenue and then i think at some point in time they're like you know i think it fits really well with this Kodama thing. So we'll, yeah, we're going so to retheme it. There's so many, um, fun, like for some reason, I don't know what it is about J- J- Japanese themes, but I think there's, I feel like there's so many games of a Japanese theme that it's just like walking down a path. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the main thing is like, and you're just walking down a path. Tokaido. Uh, there's others that I'm the, not thinking of. That, that feng shui. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of encounter people as you're traveling on a road. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I love Svensson, also the designer of one of my uh, game, favorite games that I really like, which is uh, Capital Lux. Uh, same with Christian Amundsen Ospi. Have you ever played Capital Lux? Have we talked about Capital Lux? I have Lux? not. I don't even think oh, I've heard of God. it. Oh, God. That's one we should do for this series. I don't know why I never brought it up before. Um, yeah, another great game. So these two, I think, design a lot together, and uh, they've made some uh, some really good stuff. Um, so this is uh, – well, we'll tell you what we think if this makes the list of really good stuff after we get through the rules. Oh, yeah, published. God, i got to keep stopping trying to get to the rules. All right, <laughs> artists. <laughs> Quanchai Moriah and Daniel Solis, and published by Indie Boards and Cards. Okay. I believe okay. I've done it. Now we can do the rules. Now we'll do the rules. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, this game, it, it comes with a lot of stuff. You can. There's a few alternate ways you can play, but if you're playing just a regular game, uh, everyone's going to get a little dry erase board uh, to put in front of themselves. They are double-sided, but you usually will play on you know, the blue side is te- what I tend to do. But uh, if you just want to play a different game, you can play on the flip side of it. It doesn't change it too much. It just kind of changes the position of things. Uh, on that... 
player board. There, it is uh, basically a grid that is divided into. Uh, I think it's a six by seven, uh, and there are things in just different locations, which I'll, I'll get around to that. Uh, there is another deck of cards called the Sanctuary Cards. There are six of these. They get shuffled, uh, and you can place them out one at a, one out all face down. But essentially, you're just going to flip over one, uh, and that'll be your first Sanctuary that you are concerned with in the first round. Uh, the game is going to last a total of five rounds. Uh, in each of the five rounds, there are going to be a number of cards from another deck. I'm not sure what the—I guess they're road cards or path cards, whatever you want to call them. That deck also gets shuffled, uh, and— you you will be. This will be the the timer and what kind of uh, things you're going to be drawing on your little dry erase board. Uh, you are going to be flipping over the top card, and then everyone gets to draw whatever just got flipped over. They're they're numbered one through six, uh, representing each of the different types of road shapes you can fill into each of the grid spaces. Uh, and everyone has their own little board, has a little reference of what each of them are. A one is a backwards L, a two is a L, a three is an upside down L, a four is an upside down and backwards L, uh, the five is just a horizontal line, and a six is a vertical line. So these are the types of roads slash paths, whatever you want to call them, that you can fill into any one of those squares in the grid. Uh, you can fill it anywhere you want to. There's no limit to where you can. You do not have to match road up to road, but it is probably beneficial to match road up to road. Uh, and essentially what you're trying to do in each of these five rounds is connect up the sanctuaries uh, to all of these different worms and flowers that are throughout this grid because this grid is filled with uh, six different sanctuaries, a bunch of squares that have worms and flowers. Some There's a mix of them. Uh, there are a few where it's like, oh, there's three worms and one flower or some of them where it's just one worm. Uh, and then in the two uh, opposite corners, uh, in this particular case, if you're playing on the normal side of the board, there is uh, a witch and what looks to be a lion. Uh, I, it could also be a witch that just happens to be a lion. I can't really remember. Uh, but those those are game end bonus type things, uh, which I'll get to at the end. Uh, so as I mentioned, you're trying to connect up all of these sanctuaries to all of these different little flowers and worms. Uh, so as I mentioned, you start with one of the sanctuaries flipped over. So let's say it happens to be C. You are trying to connect connect as many things as you can to the C sanctuary. So you're looking on the board and going, all right, there's C. You need to make these roots connect up so that not only do you connect all of these worms, but it also the path goes over C. So if you don't have a path on C, it's not connected to it. Because if, if you stop a road and you don't have a driveway, that doesn't count as a path to your house. There needs to be some sort of path to it, up to it. You can't just say, ah, it's close enough. No, you can't just have a road go by it. It doesn't house count. <laughs> That's not, it's not the way it works. So you need it to go over it, and for everyone that that path on it connects to, you're good to go. Uh, and it all connects. So once the round ends, and the round will end once as you keep flipping over these cards, uh, it ends once three yellow cards. There are just a certain amount of, I think it's maybe split 50-50. It might be a little bit less. I can't really remember. Uh, I, I haven't done the count recently. But uh, as soon as four yellow cards come out, uh, you will finish whatever that last yellow card was, whatever... Uh, road shape it was, you will enter it in, and that round ends, and everyone scores. Uh, so you will just count up how many uh, worms and uh, flowers are connected to that sanctuary that we were supposed to do, uh, and you will score that round. Uh, in future rounds, so after the first one, if you don't score more, 
uh, then your previous round, you don't score anything. Uh, and you must score more. It can't be equal to either. So let's say the next sanctuary, which gets flipped over at the start of the round, is now D. Now you want to try and get everything connected to D. Now, this can be a whole new road that you make, or it can be your previous road that also connects back up to D. So if you can connect C and D to each other, everything that you did for C also counts for your D plus whatever else you can connect to it. So you're it's making interesting networks to try and kind of efficiently connect everything and also kind of predicting, well, I hope I get a, a five so I can have a horizontal line or else I'm not going to be able to connect up. Or sometimes you just have to give up and be like, all right, I guess I'm going north now. I didn't want to do that, but I'm running out of options. And if I don't do this, I'm not going to score anything. So again, if you don't score more than your previous round, you score a zero that round. Uh, but in future rounds, you don't have to score more than what you actually made points in. You just have to score the last round, literally the previous round. If you scored zero, then as long as you score anything, you're scoring something. Uh, so you're always trying to kind of get it in a way that you're not scoring too much. Sometimes you might even hold back and be like, you know what, I'm not going to score the 20 points I know I could because if I do that, I don't know if I can score 22 points on the other one. So you're kind of holding back a little bit, but sometimes you're just doing the best you can. Uh, once you get through all five rounds, and again, there are six sanctuaries, so one of those sanctuaries you don't even care about. Uh, after you do the round scoring, you will do the game end scoring, uh, which involves checking the witch and the lion. Uh, if you have connected up the witch to any worms, uh, you will get one point for every worm it is connected to. She does not care for flowers. Apparently, she's allergic. Uh, and the lion it cares about flowers. So all the flowers that are connected to the lion score one point each. Uh, and then also there's a way you can score decree cards if you wanted to play with that expansion. I, I haven't yet, uh, but it's it's pretty easy to do, and I'll probably mention it later on. Uh, and then the last thing is you will also lose five points for every round that you scored a zero in. So when I said you score zero in a round, technically you're scoring negative five points. So for every zero there, you score negative five points. All that added up, that is your final score. Uh, and whoever has the most points wins. And that's how you play the game. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I had to navigate away from my browser and had to navigate back. Anyway, yes, that is how you play the game. Fairly straightforward. A lot of fun little um, strategy options in there. You mentioned the um, uh, the points that kind of progressively score from the temples as you score them. And so uh, I didn't really get that the first game, although I did worse the second game <laughs> I played somehow than the first one. But there's a, a bit of a learning curve here on, like, what you're supposed to be doing at least like what's the, what's the not what you're supposed to be doing overall but like what's the way to approach this game and um that is in my opinion i think sort of the core of it is the knowing when to score points because it's not just a game where you're like all right every turn i'm going to score as many points as possible it's like uh i need to be a little strategic here knowing that i can't always improve on my previous point total um especially if the temple is like it's like A on one side of the board, and then next one's F on the all the way the opposite side of the board. You're probably not going to connect them in that short time. So um, there's a lot of like planning and setting up for later turns and and uh, having good point swings at the end. But I think the thing that personally got me the most was always like 
there are two almost every game i think i had two temples that scored nothing which means they actually scored yeah. negative five which is like and i just kept kind of getting stuck at that and and couldn't get that uh, uh figured out the way to do that the best and anyway that being said i don't think that was a bad thing that's a frustrating thing that was my very much my choice and where to put the path sections and way why that played out that way but it created an interesting uh unique feel to this game that i I hadn't quite felt totally before i've played games similarly and um path making games but this one was kind of cool in the fact that um you you it's more one than one note about making a path you you're you you're making it in sections and so you're kind of having to plan those sections in the future without knowing when, if they, or if they will come up at all. Because what is it? Two of them are always not going to, two of the temples are not going to pop up. One of the sanctuaries one? will not pop up. One of the sanctuaries. Uh, and um, I did I did forget to mention this in the rules. Uh, the one other thing is when a card gets flipped over, you do have the option of not drawing the path and instead uh, flipping over and secretly looking at what the next sanctuary is going to be. So you can be like, you know, I have no use for this. I'm going to skip that. I'm not going to use it. I'm going to secretly look at what the future one is so I can kind of plan future things. So it's just like, all right, I know I have to go all the way over here. Maybe I don't want to make this as long as I want to. Or I can totally go as, as wild as I want to because the next one I'm I'm coming up to is something I've already built a lot on, so I'm good to go. I'm 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 I'm, I'm this is awesome. Uh, and it also gives you an opportunity <laughs> to have some use for pieces that you have no use for. So there's sometimes you're like I want to get a piece where I don't have a use for it because then I can actually plan ahead. I can look at what it is because if I have a use for it, I hate throwing it away. I don't want to throw that away. I have, I have plans for right. this piece. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely going to be instances of that too. Like I, I, there was that one that last game I think where I, I made it so I only needed one angle piece. Like I said, I wasn't thinking straight, and I made it so all of my angles that I needed were the same one. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like it's like ah, and so I probably could have used other angles in different ways, but it um, it was you know I didn't obviously have a spot for them, so I would have to be kind of guessing where I'd need them. And uh, anyway, so there's. It, it's just it's interesting there's a lot to manage here a lot to like be thinking ahead and there is a bit of a learning curve like once you figure it out i think it's really fun and it's not like doesn't take you more than a game or two to figure it out on a quick game but um but yeah there's a definite feel to this game that's a little different it kind of feels like railroad inc in that pathfinding except railroad inc has more uh options of course in one turn you're doing four four tracks of or roads are being played at one time and so there's more in a turn being played this one's a little bit tighter of a game where you have one piece of the path to be laid and you either it works into what the existing path is that you're working on or you've got to try to think all right well where will i go potentially and kind of what's the path i want to carve to get there um and uh and then put it out somewhere kind of in the field in the hopes that you're going to connect it later so it's it's more of a tight and unforgiving is not the right word, but a, but a little bit. It's a little it's, more unforgiving than railroading. Uh, it, it's yeah, and it, because I think that's due to the fact that it's a little bit more restricted with railroad ink. When you roll the dice, you can rotate those dice however you want, and you can put them. Yeah, as, I think the only restriction is you have to connect it up to something you previously drew, or it has to be along the edge of the board. Whereas with this, you can draw them anywhere you want, but you cannot rotate those shapes. Whatever you get. That's what you get. You can't go, oh, well, I have an I have an L-bend. I'll just rotate it, and now it's a backwards L. No, you can't. It's an L-bend. Wherever you put it, it's going to be that that 
bend of it. And so you you're restrict that is a huge restriction, which gives you the the position that I think my I'm not I'm just kind of mentioning uh, my mom would probably enjoy that part. I don't know if she'd enjoy the whole game. I'm not, we're not there yet. Uh, but of that, ooh, I can like I can I can like root for I, I need a two. Like that's basically most of the game is people are just going, all right, I need a two or I need a five. One of those things, if it's not a two or a five, it's garbage. Uh, and I, I enjoy that part of it, uh, which is also kind of like, oh, God. And you you definitely get in those positions where like I can't do what I'm planning on doing because I would need three twos to pull off what I'm going to do and I right. think we've already seen too many twos or I think there was the first game that we played is like I was needing I was desperately needing a five which is a horizontal line and I just needed one and we had seen like two the entire game and I think there was like seven in the entire deck and I'm like where are they we've gone through yeah. four rounds and it is not showing up come on <laughs> yeah yeah there, yeah there's that that sense of like the odds are so against the possibility of this <laughs> happening, but it's still happening. <laughs> so you plan, your planning can fall through for sure. And that's not to say that it's a bad thing. I, I will say that once I kind of got the hang of it, despite not winning any games, my last game I came within I think two of you. I was pretty. I think close. it was. I think within four of. I think I had oh with four okay. ninety five and you had like ninety one something like that. Okay, so with anyway, not too shabby compared to my other game, which <laughs> the other games forty, which of was, you. <laughs> forty, and I think one was seventy. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad, pretty bad. But um, but yeah, once you get into it and sort of a, you know you sort of get the feel of it, because I guess I, part of the learning curve for me at least is I was expecting more of a um, a looser game for the theme of this game and the simplicity of this game. And um, it's not, like, so hard and strict that you're like, well, this game's very annoying. It definitely lays out what it is and um, isn't uh, isn't insurmountable and, and leads to uh, still a fun game. But anyway, there was a little bit of a learning curve there where it, once I did start clicking, though, I really enjoyed this game a lot. I thought it was pretty fun. And um, for a uh, flipping right, it's, it's kind of... Uh, not like groundbreaking in what it is, but it's different than others. At least it stands out as its own thing, um, which is nice. So uh, let's see what else. Um, we played the virtual version of this, but uh, there is the, uh, the physical version, of course. Do you have the physical version of this? Yes, I have the physical version of it. So the boards are the boards themselves pre-laminated. Yes, they are. Or are they boards just made of cardstock. They are. They are a thick cardboard, uh, and yeah. they are they are laminated. Okay. Um, the one thing that we didn't play with was the decrees. And so I was going to ask you just to kind of describe how those works real quick. Like we, 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 we accidentally played with one in the first game. <laughs> and yes. then I figured out how to turn them off. But, um, but basically, yeah, these are like little bonus goals you can achieve more points with. Uh, uh, they're they're usually like... goals. They actually there is a number of different things in there. If you kind of look, oh, okay. most most of them are like at the end of the game, you score like extra points if you have roads that go through things that are connected to these, or you score six extra points if you connect the witch to the lion. Uh, but a few of them are just extra bonus like abilities that you have. There's one there where it's called Grove Shortcut, and it's once per game when a path is revealed you may draw any path instead and then you just mark an x and little bonus thing to say i've used it so it's a one-time bonus type action so they kind of they all have their own little ways of kind of 
twisting and uh, changing the game up. And there, it's just like a, if if you're kind of sick of of the regular play and you just want to add a little bit of spice to it, it adds that little bit of spice to make it a little bit more interesting or kind of changing how you're planning these routes. Because uh, I I know when I'm playing, I'm usually trying to connect up the witch in the line, but I'm like, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Where if there's a bonus six at the end, I'm like, no no no, it's going to happen. I don't care if I have to lose a point on a round. It's going to happen. Whatever it takes, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but also, right. I did mention there was a flip side to the board as well. Um, it basically it's just the same board. Everything's pretty much the same. It's it's pink instead of blue. Uh, it moves where some of the different worms and flowers are. It moves where the sanctuaries are, uh, and it has ten numbers on it. The game also comes with a ten sided die so that you can uh, set up uh, randomly where the witch. Uh, and the lion are so you basically roll the die whatever number it is you put uh, they put a c for caterpillars they're not worms they're caterpillars i guess uh, uh <laughs> in it and that's where that's where it's gonna be somewhere in the middle of the board rather than the corners and then you do the same thing and if it, hopefully it's a different number because if it's not you roll to get a different number and you put the lion in that one so you put an f there for flowers so you, now you're trying to connect these things in the middle of the board rather so it changes up the board even more and it changed every single time uh, so there you can mix up this game a lot uh, either with the board itself in fact you could probably even just make your own boards uh, if you wanted to so yeah that's nice and I, I always like rolling uh, or flipping right games that that have that ability to have a lot of components or uh, mechanisms you can throw in and out of the game to change it because they get old they do get old pretty quickly at least uh, the the more simple ones, and we played we played three games back to back. I liked all the games, but I could definitely see like this is being a game. If it was just that basic structure, it'd be like, all right, well, I don't know, it's good, but you know, it's not pulling me back too much. But having that ability to sort of um, throw in a little bit of mechanisms here and there uh, to change it up, really, I, I could see really being cool. Uh, we we only we played like I said we played with one of the decrees uh, inadvertently at the beginning. But um, but if I were to play more of this, I definitely would love to like to play. I think more frequently with them, um, or some of the other components, just to try try them out. But uh, but yeah, that's a nice bang for your buck type of deal. Kind of like how Railroad Inc is, where you have the other uh, expansions kind of in the box, and it's like you can bounce back and forth between playing with that or playing with expansion, and uh, it kind of makes it feel like man, I got a lot of money or a lot of game for my money <laughs> in uh, here. So uh, art style, art style is very some simple and it kind of reminds me just the layout of the board like it's very it feels very like throwback to me like classic board game throwback like it's a grid with some cute pictures on it and that's it <laughs> and then if the scoring like shoots on the side, and ladders yeah, it does it does look like kind of a shoots and ladders variant that someone came up of or, or shoots, and la- shoots and ladders inspired their design um there's nothing wrong with that i think it's clear the iconography is clear here if they were to uh, let's see, when did this come out? And this came out. Well, Avenue came out in two thousand six. Oh, two thousand seventeen. So this is somewhat recent. Um, <clears throat> the I would have kind of expected them to do more uh, design in like the the grid itself. Like the grid itself is just a white background with I with um, pictures on it. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. There's enough color and and design on everything else. But like for instance, the the cards that you flip over for the path, those have each have backgrounds where the Kokoro is like doing stuff on them. And so there was 
there was attention paid to sort of like the background effects of all the other cards and things like that. Anyway, so it just kind of surprised me that they left the player boards so um, not busy, but maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. What, I, what I think they thoughts? left it not busy mainly so that when you're looking at where all the paths go and you're trying to read, oh, is that a worm on there? It was easy and clear. Everything was very clear to read. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming they probably made it really pretty early on. They're like, you know what? This is too distracting. It's hard for people to tell what they're doing or where the path went or what. So I'm, I'm kind of glad they did. If they, if they were to, it would have to be kind of really dull and, and muted uh, or desaturated in order for you to kind of be able to make things readable for gameplay purposes. So, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it is, that is the upside of it. It does feel very clear. And there's enough, like, uh, that's not to say this is a bland-looking game. There's enough flavor and color and art design and the rest of the components that fill in the gap there. Um, but, yeah, the, bo- the, benefit, the benefit to that is that it is very clear. Uh, your pathways and the grid itself is easy to read. Um, other than that, it's, uh, uh, oops, it is a cute kind of art style that, that sort of typical. We've seen this kind of style before where it's sort of like, you know, it's very japanese and um, colorful and um, fanciful uh, art design of the Kokoro. He's, of course, giant smile on his face and his giant head. <laughs> These giant giant bodies of all the Japanese spirits are always very silly looking and, and uh, compelling and um, very cute. Um, the I've seen a few different versions, too, of the temples. So I don't know if there's different releases of this, but it seems like some of the temples are like, clearly gray stone some of the temples then some versions are like wood so there there must have been a variety of releases of this or I, I i'm not sure why that is but um so anyway there's a slight variation between versions that you might have but other than that all the components are pretty much the same thing uh and uh, yeah all right let's get into how this would actually work taking out onto a table though so we played the virtual version of this which is very nice because it is programmed in that you just click a button and it automatically sets the game up has the game uh, progressing um, uh, through each turn as each pathway section is flipped. It just flips through that. And then once four yellow pathway sections are up, it will realize the end of the round, and then you can just auto-score the round. That's really nice. This one kind of reminds me of Welcome 2 in that there are, in the physical version, looking at it, there's going to be several piles of cards to sort of flip and keep track of that's not a downside it's just it just is once again in these day and age uh when you play a virtual version of a game then you look at the real version or play the real version it's such like i've had a couple experiences where i'm like oh i gotta do all this by hand <laughs> <laughs> like uh we were one of my most recent ones is when we did tiny epic tactics and i played it for the first time virtually and then uh played it um in person and the tiny epic games are great but they're notorious as you might expect all of their components are very tiny and so when they have like tracker pieces that you're supposed to slide up and down a card to keep track of life or weapons or whatever um there's just so many little bits (laughs) and playing it virtually is so easy because none of the bits are getting bumped or nudged or fall off the table or have to be found and placed and so playing that i was just getting frustrated because i'm like oh my gosh i don't i think i like this game better virtually because it's such a setup of keeping track of these tiny, very light uh, wood pieces that I'm supposed to gently caress up and down a board to keep track of stats and never do. And then someone bumps the tablecloth and the whole game gets put out of whack. (laughs) Anyway, there's the common complaint of virtual versus real-life gaming. Um, And this is a minor difference. Uh, Tiny Epic is the drastic version of that, that, that variation between plays. Uh, But anyway, uh, this game is going to take a bit of a setup. And for a small game, it's, it's a, 
bit of a table hog. Nothing crazy, but there's definitely like a presence of this game. So in front of each of you, you're going to have your player board and your dry erase marker. Um, what, how would you rate the quality of markers that this comes with? Uh, the markers are pretty good. I don't think I've ever had to replace any of these markers. Um, they're, they're pretty decent. There are a few other games where it's just like, oh, they, they went bad pretty quick. These, these have lasted quite well. I don't, I, don't rem- I, don't, I don't think any of them are bad. I've never, I don't remember playing it and someone being like, oh, mine's dead. There are definitely other games yeah. where that's happened. These, these are pretty decent. Nice, yeah. The pictures make them look like decent quality. So, um, yeah, and they're the kind with the little eraser on the end. Yep. Nice. That's always a bonus too. Um, so anyway, this is going to come with. Uh, let's see. Does it come with all eight markers? It looks like it. Yes, yep. it does. Looks like it comes with eight markers because uh, remember you could play up to eight. Uh, you're going to have a player sheet in front of you, and then you're also going to have. Um, uh, well, actually, that's pretty much it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in front in front of your person, uh, in the middle of the board or the table, you're going to have the two rows of growing cards. You're going to have your um, uh, the round counter, which is basically a card referencing a, one of the temples A through F, that is going to tell you what temple you're focusing on for this round, and that's going to be kind of a growing row, or it's actually it's going to be a row that exists. You're just going to be flipping them up for each round. Uh, and then you're going to have a row of cards that's going to be variable. There's going to be a stack of the path cards, and each round you're going to be drawing from that stack and revealing a path card um, to show what path everyone's working with that round, uh, that turn. And then eventually, as four of the path cards with a yellow background are revealed, that symbol signifi- signifies the end of the round. Um, and so that's going to kind of be variable. We had rounds where we had four yellow cards right away, and it was done. And then we had rounds where we had quite a few cards before yeah. that last yellow card finally popped up, which is which is kind of cool. That's one of the things I really like about that game is not each round is is it's very different uh, feeling. Uh, you also, if you are going to play with the um, what do they call it, the decrees, not the ass or the decrees. Yes, the decrees. You also have if the, you're playing with the decrees, you'll have the that out. And on the table somewhere where everyone can reference it and kind of know what the decree is so they know what to play towards or what uh, um, other information they're dealing with here. Um, and that's pretty much it. They're the middle of the table. So this is once again a game where the middle of the table is going to have kind of the focus of what's happening outside of your player board um, that you're all going to need to be visible. So, I mean, you could you could do this off to the one side and or like at the top of a table and and still kind of get a pizza in there so i think this does pass the pizza test it de- uh, definitely because not does. everyone has to be yeah not everyone has to be interacting with the central tableaus you could ha- kind of dedicate one person to be the card flipper and um they can kind of just you know as long as everyone can see it only one person really needs to be flipping it there's not any benefit to passing the turn around the table to be the flipper yeah um so, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, despite having a lot of things going on, it's still really easy to kind of create a central area for food and tuck off those two rows of cards uh, to somewhere off uh, off to the side. And so anyway, uh, despite having a lot of components or not a lot, but a, a, a bit of components, um, this game does actually quite well, I would think, taking out. Have you guys taken it out? What's what's your experience with that? Uh, we've taken it out a number of times. Uh, this is it's an, it's an easy game to take out. Uh 
because you know it's just it's just writing something with a dry erase mark. Dry most dry erase games tend to work really well taking out. Uh, you don't have to worry about oh no I spilled something. I mean they're cardboard, but even then it's 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 pretty decent. Uh, it 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 fits in most things. You can you can kind of stack things. You don't have to have everything have every card splayed out. Uh, so for like the sanctuaries, you only need to know what the most recent sanctuary is. So you can just stack them. You don't have to have them splayed out each five um, for the. Uh, the the roads that come out, you can kind of just kind of slightly splay them just enough so that you can see how many yellows uh, have come out previously. So you don't need to see every single card that has been played that round. Just just enough so that you can kind of you kind of cover half of the previous one and kind of move them out as it goes. And uh, most people, it it works really well. Uh, I think it fits really nicely. I think the benefit here of this game is that it plays up to eight. Uh, so this is usually yeah. the 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 game that I'm just like. Oh, I know I'm going to be playing with a big group. I tend to tuck this one in a in a bag. Yeah, I could see this being really fun playing with a group. I I think um, y- you know, with these rolling rights, with uh, I keep talking about railroad ink, <laughs> but they they're really fun to engage with a big group when they're designed to do that. And so I I it played great with two. I, I had a lot of fun with it at two. But I definitely think um, there'd be a really good like table vibe experience with a, a bigger group. Yeah. I, I've played. I think I've played with the full allotment of eight. Usually, like a Thanksgiving or something like that. Uh, it goes really well. I think the only downside when you get that big is everyone needs to take their turn, and then you have to wait for everyone to draw, and then you move on. So it's a lot of uh, as the person who's basically running the game of going, "Is everybody good? Everybody good? We all good? We all good? Right. All right, let's let's move on to the next one." So it's just me t- saying, "We all good yet?" Uh, I I also I play this one a number of times over like. Uh, Zoom, essentially. Uh, It's really easy to do. Just give someone something to print out on their side, uh, and you can just flip over cards. Doing the sanctuary thing where if you don't want to look at it, essentially, I've kind of retrofitted it. I've basically said, if anyone wants to look at what the next sanctuary is, I'm basically skipping that my draw. And I'm also going to look. So no, even if I wanted the piece, if someone else wants to look at what the sanctuary is, I have to skip it so that I also can look at the sanctuary. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, and it works perfectly <laughs> fine that way. It's, it just makes it a little bit more challenging for me. And since I've played it so much, and usually I'm playing with people who've never played this before, uh, it just evens the playing field just a little bit. I still win, yeah. uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> and I still destroy them, but... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I I like this game. Like I I, I guess I'm I'm uh, kind of going back and forth on, um, like like I said, it's nothing like mind blowingly innovative, but at the same time, it's well designed and has so many like we talked about before, so many components to throw in or not use that it feels like I, I would probably grab grab this one as well. I feel like it's, like you just said, having a big group, this would fit really well into that, and um, uh. I don't know. I, I can't think of anyone who would really dislike this game. There are probably other Roland rights that I would choose before. Like I'm just a huge fan of Railroad Inc. and I like the gameplay better. But I but I'd happily play this one. And I feel like you really, I don't know. I, you can't go. You're not going to go wrong with it. 
Yeah. Um, I think I think if you're looking for something meatier, this is probably isn't what you're looking for. If if you're way more into like the a bit of a heavier game, something more like Railroad Inc., where you are concerned of, all right, if I have to connect this and then I'm losing points here, but if I put this here, should I swap this one out for this one? There's a lot more that you have to think of with Railroad Inc. of like, do I really want to use this piece? And if I do that, how much am I risking? This one's a little bit more simple. It's, it feels a little bit, I guess some might look at it as a bit like bingo, where it's like, oh, come on, call B5, you know, that type of a thing. Whereas with Railroad Inc., it's more of like, I don't really know what I want, but I'm going to do the best with, with whatever the heck comes out because I've got four things to deal with. And and let's let's not, let's hope I don't make a mess of this. Uh, whereas the other right. one is just more of all right, that's one piece. I, I only have to keep track of one piece, and I think I might be heading that direction. So let's put this over here and see what comes of it. You know, it's a bit way more casual of it. And if you're not looking for a casual game, eh, I mean, it's you're maybe not. But I, I don't see anyone going. No, I don't want to play this game. Uh, I've never had anyone go. Yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Most people are like, yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, I don't. I don't think anyone's going to be like, yeah, that's the best game ever, but it's definitely always going to be an enjoyable game is really the, yeah. what I can say. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. Um, okay, so taking out kind of covered, if it, if it applies really well there, you touched on a little bit of um, uh, the vibe. I th- um, uh, our, our back and forth two-player was pretty good. I feel like it leaves you a lot of, like, it's good. You're always in, you're in a pretty good mood the whole time, even when you're kind of not getting exactly what you want. Um, there's kind of a comicalness to it. I definitely could see how having more and more players here, there's um, I don't know, the, the sort of in a way to reminds me of a game where you you could chat. It doesn't necessarily like spur you to chat like some games where you're rolling dice, um, but it allows you that option. And and I could see it you know popping up here and there as people are or are not getting the paths they want or are or not getting stymied constantly which is my first two player experiences but still i was having a lot of fun um so anyway who would or were not like it we kind of touched on that real briefly too pretty broadly applicable would your mom like it i don't think so i think this is just one that's not her cup of tea there's elements here that i think she would enjoy but i feel like there's other games of this even of a flipping right that i think she'd probably like better um, this is another one where I could see her like passing by and being like kind of stopping for a second to see what everyone's up to. But I, I just feel like this probably would be her game. I'm, g- I'm going to disagree with you. I think my Ooh. mom, I think my mom would enjoy this game. I think there might be a, oh. just a little bit of a hurdle in the first game. Just understanding, okay, you, you can't rotate things or it has to go here. I know that I've, I've played this game with a few people here and there that aren't, you know, great at, playing games and occasionally they'll be like oh i messed up i i put the shape on top of the this other shape where most people who are used to games are like no once you fill the square it's filled you can't fill it again uh i've definitely had people go well i put an l here and then uh, the other l shape so that now i have a t-junction I'm like you can't do that that you, you once you fill a square it's filled and so some people have a yeah. little bit of trouble with that and i've also had games where they are people draw the lines on the grid lines and i'm like oh come on like it's it it's shown in a square and there are a bunch of squares you fill in the square not on the lines what are you thinking uh so there might be just that little bit of a hurdle of okay i understand how to fill in this figure and how not to fill in this figure but i think once she got past that i really think she would enjoy this she could you know it's it's not super strenuous as i mentioned it's kind of like bingo and i think my mom 
would enjoy bingo-ish. Not that she goes out to play bingo, but I don't think she'd be adverse to it. I think there's <laughs> enough in this game where she could be, as I mentioned before, kind of rooting for something. If I need a two, and ah, oh, I can't believe I, I like it's it's. I think the only thing other than the the hurdle that she might not like is it's not super interactive. Like you can definitely take your time out to look at what other people are doing, uh, but with you're there it's not something where you're all taking your turn at the same time whereas with something like as uh, and i'm always going to compare it to farkle because this is like the gold standard for my mom uh is <laughs> you are watching someone else play their turn uh and so she can be like aha you screwed up whereas this like it's she's gonna have to keep track of i'm doing great i got my two like the only way she's gonna know that someone else is doing better than her if someone's like i've been hoping for a five and then a five shows up and she's like dang you for getting your five i have no use for a five i think but i think think she'd find her way i think she'd find the groove in this i i'm pretty sure i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure to enjoy that i'm putting this as a yes although i might sh- i probably should put it on maybe yes but i'm going i'm going all out i'm saying this is a yes yeah nice all right interesting um fair enough though she is your mother <laughs> I think you probably know better <laughs> um okay cool so um yeah Kokoro is pretty good I, I think it's worth checking out and for all the reasons we talked about and I, I'm actually really curious about Avenue I'd like to uh, to kind of see how if it changed at all between the reskin of Avenue honestly um, both, I, uh, I've, I've played it uh, I think when I first started playing this I wasn't I was looking for the copy of Avenue because I wanted to play that one because that's what came out originally uh, and mm-hmm. I kind of held off on getting the game and then I realized it's a really good game to play with co-workers over the internet and i i tend to do that with where, where i work i'm we do like every month we just set up some time to play games with each other and this is a really easy one to kind of figure out how to do so i'm like all right let's do it it's basically the exact same game it's themed more around wine and castles so you're connecting up green grapes to the green castle and red grapes to the red castle but it's it's literally basically the same. Uh, it doesn't have, I don't think it has as many variants uh, as Kokoro does. Uh, so I think, I think they are just like, you know, the people who made the, uh, the, the game Kodama, the tree spirits, which is where the theme is based off of, are like, you know, we like that. Let's theme it around this theme that we already have. We kind of have a thing going. I think it would work really well. And it does. Uh, so it's basically the same game. You're not going to get too much different. I think, Kokoro is the way easier game to find, uh, and it plays basically the same. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. If you do like wine or grapes <laughs> better than Japanese spirits, you've got two options. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, worth checking out. These guys, uh, Ostby and um, uh, Svensson, they're, they're quite good designers. They've done some really, done some really good games, and this is uh, another good good game so check it out um let's see am i missing anything i feel like i'm missing something but uh you're only missing the thing that you should end the show with which is oh slogan or quote (laughs) i promise i will get back in the slogan bandwagon soon i am uh i have nothing nothing at all today (laughs) outside and the fact that i'm just tired (laughs) which is my excuse for everyday activities i'm tired but uh, I, I will get back in the back one here, everybody, because I know you're all drooling for slobbering at the bit for uh, for these. <laughs> slobbering for these at the back. bit? That is a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's an old horse one. Never heard that one. Isn't it uh, chomping at the bit? 
It is chomping at the bit. Yep. Slobbering at the bit is something I just made up because I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> but if you've ever seen a horse with the bit in their mouth, they do slobber a little bit. So uh, I think it's valid. Um, all right, everybody. Well, thank you anyway for listening, and I uh, hope you're getting some games played. Uh, you can reach out to us a couple different ways at Twitter and Instagram at Chits and Chat, or you can go to our podcast hosting page, eavesdrop.com, and scroll down to the Chits and Chat page and fill out our comment form there. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.